This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Brinefield Services Company, Zolandez. Check them out at zolandez.com. That's Z-E-L-A-N-D-E-Z dot com. Hi, it's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. This is episode 146, and there is no guest today. This will be a short episode where I will talk about some of my recent travels and experiences I've had along the way, mostly related to lithium. I have only been home seven nights in the last six weeks which makes it feel a lot like my pre-COVID travel routine. I will be making some comments about my recent trip to Chile, but before that, I will mention why there hasn't been a podcast in so many weeks. I think this is the longest hiatus I've taken uh, since I started the podcast uh, five years ago next month. I was with some family members in Portugal and Spain, walking 300 kilometers over 13 days on what's called uh, the Camino or the Way of St. James, which is a pilgrimage that people have been doing for over a thousand years. You can Google that. I won't bore you with the details. If you ever want to disconnect, the Camino is a great way to do it. You spend most days walking, meeting people, comparing experiences. I did post some pictures on Twitter and Instagram, but by and large, except for a few quote-unquote emergency phone calls from clients, uh, I was basically disconnected for the better part of three weeks, given the time we spent in Porto before we started the trek and the time we spent in Santiago de Compostela in Spain and in Lisbon before we came home. We did a completely different route to get to Santiago than we did in 2019. There are still other routes to take. I imagine I will do this again, and I highly recommend it. I was only home a couple of days before I took off for Reno. I spent a couple of days uh, with Lack at the Technical Center uh, in Nevada. Always interesting to catch up with these guys. Uh, I think there's a lot of angst uh, about uh, the fact that Thacker Pass uh, still hasn't had a final decision Uh, from the judge, but I am not stressed about that at all. I firmly believe that Thacker Pass will move forward. I'm looking forward to updates from the startup of Kachari. I think John Evans has assembled the best overall uh, management and technical team in the industry, and I look forward to seeing them validate that statement over the next few years. I came home for 18 hours and took off for Chile. I know there are a lot of people out there 
that think I am somehow anti-DLE, nothing could be further from the truth. I actually went to Chile to uh, attend a board meeting. Uh, I am on the board of a startup, Summit Nanotech. They have a DLE pilot plant in La Negra, Chile, very close to where Albemarle and SQM operate. But don't read anything into that because the field is wide open in South America. You have to put your pilot plant someplace. There are plenty of DLE opportunities on both sides of the Andes. Summit has a blue chip suite of uh, early investors. And what attracted me to being on their board was the fact that uh, they don't really hype what they're doing. They're very pragmatic and understated about it. I think it's been clear for a couple of years that I have uh, spoken positively of what Standard Lithium is doing in El Dorado, Arkansas. And so I continue to marvel at the fact that people online uh, call me anti-DLE. I I just uh, don't think the facts bear that out. I did have the good pleasure of having dinner with the Canadian ambassador to Chile at his residence. That was a lot of fun. Summit is based in Calgary, hence uh, the invite. But of course, if you're in the lithium business and have been for a long time and you go to Chile, you're going to see your old friends. I had dinner the first night I was there with my buddy and podcast guest, Daniel Jimenez and some people that he's involved with in his advisory organization, Ely. If you don't follow Daniel on Twitter, I suggest you start. He is very insightful into the markets. He spent 28 years, I believe it was, with SQM. Over the past five years, there have been times when Daniel and I have taken uh, different positions on supply and price especially during the low point in the market when it was hard to see clearly when things would turn. Our timing was different, but Daniel's in my uh, numbers, uh, and we spent some time talking about that in detail, line up almost perfectly over the next several years. I think that indicates that despite what Morgan Stanley continues to say, it's pretty much consensus now that we are in a structural shortage. I find it very interesting that a lot of the big banks that agree with me on 2023 just can't bring themselves to predicting high prices for an extended period, even though they show a tight or short market over the same period of time I do. I think it's very curious to say the market will remain short, but prices will have over the next five years. But that's just exactly what many of the big banks, if you read their reports, are saying. Morgan Stanley's is probably the most interesting because they have price going down to 13000 and change. In 24, they predict 8000 a ton in 2030, they predict that the spodumene price will be over 1000 And if you do the math on that, that basically means that price is lower than the high end of the cost curve. Looking at it 
from today. If you go out to 2030, the cost curve is going to be much, much higher. When you bring on harder to get at and some lower grade spodumene projects, lapidolite, and we're even seeing the return of DSO and uh, potentially using some lithium projects, tailings uh, as a feedstock. The cost curve is going north. Uh, I don't know when uh, pricing will reconnect with the cost curve. Right now, price is totally shortage-driven. The real point of honest debate, when supply catches up with demand and we return to cost curve-based pricing. I don't see that happening in the next five years. I'm not prepared to say whether it will last until 2030 or 2035, but that's not the purpose of this episode. I want to get to some thoughts on Chile. I want to thank Zolandez for sponsoring this episode. Zolandez is enabling lithium projects to get to market faster, more efficiently, and with lower costs. More lithium sooner means the energy transition happens faster. Find out more at zelandes.com. First, lithium is a small world, and Twitter, for all its problems, does make it easy to communicate with people that you've never seen, never met. And I had the opportunity because of a couple of tweets that I did to uh, meet with people involved with current operations in Chile, which doesn't leave a lot of room for the imagination. That said, these discussions were off the record, but I will say that it greatly added to my insight on some things I have been curious about. And I will, in order to uh, not violate my agreements, my verbal agreements, I will leave it at that. Once I left Santiago, I spent some time in both Anafagasta and looking at Solar's uh, on the road that you would take uh, to go to the Solar de Atacama. And while I did not visit the operations of either SQM or Albemarle. I talked to several local stakeholders about their feelings about the lithium industry in general, the two big producers, specifically Corfo, the new government, where they see things going from the perspective of both some locals that uh, are in official positions, and then what we could probably refer to as the man in the street or the woman in the street. In this case, it was all males, but uh, I'm trying to be politically correct here, which doesn't always happen. Let me also make it clear that this is no attempt to say that uh, I did some kind of scientific uh, study about how Chileans feel about lithium. I had several conversations, but at the end of the day, we're talking about uh, a handful of people 
and their opinions. But I do think it's useful for people that hear press reports that tend towards hype uh, to get the perspective that I got. And first of all, I would just say that I found everybody that spoke to me about lithium to be very measured in their comments, surprisingly so. Even those who commented that they had negative feelings towards primarily SQM, but some, uh, would, I would say, Albemarle as well, for their past uh, activities. It wasn't emotional pleading. It was very balanced discourse. The people that I spoke with also thought Corfo was doing a reasonable job. I think probably what surprised me the most was that uh, most people weren't all that positive on the uh, new president or what he's done, the communications that have come out of that administration, I I was surprised a bit. I was not surprised that SQM's history was brought up and the negative reputation that they tend to have had. Uh, But people were really saying a couple of important things that they knew the lithium industry had to move forward. I thought it was interesting that more than one person said for the benefit of the world with the energy transition, I didn't expect uh, locals to have that kind of perspective. People in the local communities are very concerned about what lithium activities do to the water balance. They're very concerned that Continued growth of lithium production may impede the development of the tourist industry there. And in San Pedro de Atacama, they do have a growing tourist industry. I think the other thing that really resonated was that the people just want to be heard. And right now, they don't feel anybody's hearing them. They don't feel the new president's hearing them. They don't feel that they're heard so much by Corfo, although people really weren't critical of Corfo, and they certainly don't feel that the lithium companies, who like recently especially, like to put the face on that they're uh, engaged with the communities. I didn't hear much evidence of that. In fact, I really didn't hear any evidence of that. I chose not to ask people to go on the podcast live because I didn't want uh, to cause any backlash against them. Uh, the, there are a lot of powerful forces here, and the people I was talking to, uh, some have uh, public positions, but everybody still has a real job as well. And um And that may be my mistake, but I certainly don't want the podcast to have a negative impact on the locals. So I am just reporting what I heard rather than having people come on. And everybody didn't speak English either, which is another issue why it's just easier to relate what was said. Despite the fact that the Corfo agreements with lithium producers call for funds that support local the local populace it was very interesting to me that they didn't feel that uh, the local populations were really benefiting 
to an equitable level. And I don't think there's there's wild expectations here. I just think that now I think it's pretty well understood that with lithium prices where they are, there are literally billions of dollars a year coming through the Corfo royalty. The perception in the communities is that that money all goes to Santiago and that they're not even heard about development plans. They're not heard with respect to uh, how money should be spent. And they're not heard with respect to uh, having somebody speak for the local communities. And again, I'm very conscious about generalizing from a small sample. But a couple of people in particular were very well versed in what's going on. They spoke in great detail and very knowledgeably about lithium technology even, about DLE. They knew who the providers were. These are not just guys who had heard rumors. I did find a comment very insightful where uh, one of the locals I talked to who didn't have any official position in any uh, local entity said to me that if you talk to a large cross-section of people, 90% of the people will have a position on lithium, but mostly it will be from uh, a place of just going with the crowd and what the what the crowd thinks. So I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Uh, even the locals who are well-informed realize that uh, the average person in Chile, especially those that may live in Santiago, which I think about 40% of the population does, or are distant from the lithium industry, are going on hearsay and are forming their opinions probably based on newspaper reports or social media. And I don't, I don't think that's a big surprise, and I don't think it's very different than what happens in other parts of the world. My only desire in this short podcast was to tell you that I did take the time to try to find out what real people think in the area. And, uh, and honestly, I was, on balance, positively surprised. I think that uh, the, the efforts that uh, SQM and Abelmarle make need to be a lot uh, broader than they are, but I think they've made progress. And I think the people are very receptive to being spoken to and to try to understand. As I said, when uh, somebody you meet reels off who all the DLE providers that have visited Chile are, you know they're paying attention. And uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. So there's no conclusions here. I am just uh trying to pass something on and I've got listeners in 157 countries and most people are never going to visit Chile and this is just a uh, a first of a, a situation that I'm going to continue to follow on subsequent trips on uh, both sides of the Andes I, I want to talk to more locals and see how uh, people are perceiving the industry because at the end of the day we're all better off if the local stakeholders are getting treated fairly and uh, feel that the lithium industry is a positive thing for them. And I don't think we're there yet, uh, but hopefully it goes that way.
and I don't know if this had any value to you if you got this far. Uh, hopefully it did. Final comment on this matter in thinking back through what I've just said is that what um, I did find one contradiction is that people do seem to be a little bit more positive about the lithium producers, and maybe that's because uh, price is up and they know money's flowing in, even though they don't think they're uh, uh, really benefiting directly from it. But they also did seem to say that they don't feel like they're getting communicated with by the two lithium companies, but they don't feel as negative about them as they did a few years ago. And uh, I found that a little bit of a head-scratcher, but uh, again, this wasn't a scientific exercise. This is going to be online October 30th. Some of you obviously will listen to it in November. But uh, for those who listen to it early, I am going to be on the TDK Ventures Energy Week on November 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I will be interviewed for 45 minutes. If anybody wants to have a listen to that, they can go to the TDK Ventures site and sign up. I am going to be in Australia for two weeks in November. I look forward to catching up with people in Perth, Sydney, and Melbourne. If you live in those three cities and have any desire to catch up and I have time, I'm happy to have coffee or whatever, uh, you can uh, send me a message on the website, globallithium.net contact, or if you have access to me via DM, you can do that. I had an interesting experience in Reno. I was walking out of the hotel and somebody called out my name. I looked up. I didn't recognize the person, although they did look like a, a friend of mine from Sydney, which made it really odd since I was in Reno. And the guy says, hey, I'm a podcast listener. Can we have coffee? And as it turned out, I had an hour. I was just going out for a walk. So we did have coffee. And it's nice when things like that happen which is why uh, I offer uh, to meet podcast listeners uh, if I'm in a city and I have some time. One last thing. If you found this episode completely useless, feel free to uh, tell me that. If you thought it had any value, uh, please tell me that. I always do solo episodes with some level of reticence uh, just because I don't like to talk for this long without a guest. That said, uh, three of the top six podcasts that I've done have been either solo episodes or one where uh, I was getting interviewed. So um, I I just keep trying to find uh, things to make the podcast interesting. Thanks for listening.